the vision that we had in Treff, we saw an opportunity to create a very high-end top shelf product, but we also saw an opportunity in being an e-com first business and really going all in on social media. So after we had this product made, we weren't going to try and get it on the shelves in retail. We were gonna push it out online through social, through all of our digital outlets. There's never been a CTA at Treff. There is no CTA. The CTA is that there's no CTA. Don't buy our product. We're not here to sell you our product. We're here to make great products and present them in cool ways. And if people want to try them and buy them, that's a cherry on top. Business owners, operators, marketers, really anyone who works at any company is always aiming to do one thing, sell more products. So when Nick Gian and Nick Agiluni, the co-founders of Truff, say their strategy isn't solely focused around this, it makes you sit up and listen. At least that's what I did when I heard them say that, and I wanted to hear more. On this episode, the two Nicks explained how they built their truffle-infused sauce brand by reverse engineering products specifically designed to live and resonate on social media, and then why they decided to lean into creating epic content without attaching CTAs. Now that's an interesting idea, and one that has worked pretty well for them, actually. After all, Truff is the number one hot sauce brand on Amazon and was included on Oprah's favorite things list for two years in a row. So how is Truff creating content that brings people in without being transactional? And what platforms are the Knicks most excited about in the future? Tune in to find out. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerce insights. That's sfdc.co slash commerce insights, one word. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show and I would really love it. So please let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review, let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at mission.org. Today on the show, we are doing an awesome spicy roundtable with two guests. We have the co-founders of Truff. First up, it's two Nicks. Might be a little confusing, but first Nick is Nick Gian. Nick, welcome. Thanks for having me. Us. Yeah, we're excited to have you all. The second Nick is Nick Agiloni. Nick, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I feel like this is going to be tricky. Like I'm going to be trying to point questions and you won't even know which Nick I'm talking about, like who I'm asking. So we'll slide in and out seamlessly. And I'm we're guessing good. you all have done this before, huh? A couple times, maybe. Couple times. How much do you guys interrupt each other? I need to know this before we go. Not much. 
Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah. So you each have your own little areas. We'll see. I hope, I hope we don't slip here, but we're usually pretty good about it. Cool. All right. Well, I want to start off with the background of the company because it seems very interesting. What I read was that you essentially started Truff, which started as like a truffle hot sauce. Now it's turned into a truffle everything company, what it seems now. But you started it because you got the handle sauce on Instagram. So you got this awesome handle and then you're like, oh, maybe we should do something with it. Is that correct? And if so, fill in the details. That is correct. Yeah, Nick and I, we met in college. We were super into CPG and social media at the time. And in 2015, we had just acquired the handle sauce organically on Instagram. And we decided we wanted to do something with it. So why were you out looking for handles labeled sauce? It was just a, I would say a a hobby, Um, something that, you know, interested us. And I don't know if you remember, but back in like the early domain days, you know, everyone was trying to scoop up like one word domains, very similar to social media, trying to find unique handles, um, Mm -hmm. valuable real estate in the digital world, I guess is the way you could look at it. Yep. Very cool. So then what did that look like afterwards? You got this awesome handle and then how did you go about thinking like what you even wanted to make? So we got the handle sauce instantly, you know, told Nick about it right away and he was super interested in it as well. So we just started to grow this really cool Instagram account. Uh, we were putting together content that we thought was cool. We thought was saucy things we thought would resonate well with the pop culture foodie. So high quality imagery, food, porn, rappers with food, women with food, things that were visually stimulating things that made people hungry. And we started to amass this following in a very short period of time. We had some celebrities that followed us, um, some big, like cool media outlets that were following us. And we decided we wanted to do something bigger than just be a food account on Instagram. We wanted this to be a platform where a brand would live. So that kind of led us into the direction of product. Okay. What can we kind of sell through this channel that we're building? Um, what kind of brand can we build behind the handle sauce? And the obvious one was sauce, hot sauce in particular. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about formulating what kind of hot sauce you wanted? I mean, I don't know of many other hot sauce brands that have truffle in them, if any, do any of them? I mean, I haven't seen that, but like, how did you even come to that they idea? Do now. I mean, okay. They do, they do now. <laughs> yeah. Our, our thinking was, uh, you know, we wanted to kind of position the brand in a more upscale lifestyle, top shelf way. We really emulated luxury alcohol brands. We always kind of cite Ciroc as like, you know, when we were in college, that was a cool lifestyle vodka with the, the cool people behind it and that kind of stuff. And so uh, it was packaged in a way that we thought was cool and, you know, X, Y, and Z. So we, we took a look at hot sauce in general and realized that there was an opportunity to basically make a Ciroc of hot sauce in short. And so you can't just do that though and put regular whatever in a bottle and say, Hey, this is cool. We really needed a formula and a product that was actually expensive and actually elevated. And so we looked at ingredients that could accomplish that and that could taste phenomenal. And you know, we looked at things like caviar, we looked at things like saffron and, you know, truffle really struck a chord with both of us. We like truffle, we like truffle fries and we like the experience of truffle, shaving truffle onto things. And we spent, you know, a lot of time figuring out how to create a 
an untraditional product, which would be mi- mixing spice and truffle mm-hmm. um, together in an elegant and decadent way. Um, took a really long time, took us almost a couple of years, hundreds of renditions, just in the most untraditional way you could think of, of us just sourcing ingredients and putting together what we thought would taste good. We're not chefs or anything like that, but we landed on something that we thought was impeccable and kind of got validation from people who tried that. They said, wow, this is insane. And we kind of just went from there. So were you literally just blending ingredients like in your kitchen, trying it? You're like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. And that's how you came to some of the first um, products that you have today. Exactly that. So, okay, now you've got your product. What would it look like next? I mean, you've got this awesome Instagram account. You have people following you already. It's probably easy to kind of introduce your product to the world. Like what kind of hiccups did you run into along the way? Because I look at your packaging now and I look at your bottles and it looks literally perfect. I mean, when it showed up at the house, I did not even think it was hot sauce in there. I mean, it was also pasta sauces and oils and all this, but the way it was presented was very, very high end. And I was like, are they even in retail? Because this seems too nice to be anywhere. Like it has to just come to me. So I want to hear like, how did you get here? What kind of hiccups did you run into to get to where you are today? So the first hiccup I would say is scaling a product from small cardboard dishes in a kitchen to a large size run. We actually threw away the very first run of product that we made because the consistency, the color and the flavor profile wasn't exactly how we had formulated it on, you know, the bench. Um, Mm -hmm. But after some refinement and tweaks and, adjustments, we got it to where we wanted it to be, you know, ready to market. You know, the vision that we had in Treff, like Nick mentioned, we saw an opportunity to create a very high-end top shelf product, but we also saw an opportunity in being an e-com first business and really going all in on social media. In college, Nick and I, you know, we were studying social media. We each had brands of our own that were built online and that involved a certain aspect of e-commerce. So after we had this product made, we weren't going to try and get it on the shelves in retail. We were gonna push it out online through social, through uh, all of our digital outlets. Very cool. And how did you keep that virality going? Cause you see a lot of brands kind of, you know, take off and be successful and get in front of a lot of people. And then it's like, oh, maybe that was just really good marketing behind it. Or it was that one celebrity who was kind of driving that like, it seems like you guys have had a lot of consistency of round growth that you know you don't normally see with brands who kind of do what you did and like get in front of people in a very social worthy way to then also be able to like stick around for a long time. I think one of the things there is that the product's really good. And it's not like here, it wasn't like a one hit wonder, like, oh, this tastes good and everyone gets over it. It's a legitimate here to stay impeccable product. You know, the virality comes from it authentically being something people really, really love. Mm -hmm. And when we do new products or we look at different categories, if it doesn't check that box of being just like insanely good and absolutely amazing and worthy of staying viral, like you're mentioning, then we just wouldn't release it in the first place. But I think the virality comes from like how high quality and how much work we put into the actual product itself. On that note, we also always kind of stay on the cutting edge. And Nick, you can see more on this of content presentation, digital marketing and things like that. So like we're making sure we're staying relevant by kind of leading the pack of how to present food CPG on the internet. Yeah. 
I was just going to ask, like, what are some ways that you go about doing that? Like, what channels are you betting big on right now? And how do you showcase that, like, this is actually good? So I think our brand and our our product, you know, our, our first offering, Nick and I had essentially reverse engineered the product for social media. You know, you, you look at our bottle, it has the really shiny, sexy custom lid. It has truff very clearly written down the front you could easily understand what it is very quickly. Black truff ones used hot sauce, truff. One clean, bold message. And then along the way, we've always tried to lead with a value across the board. That goes with the relationships that we're building, the content that we're putting out. We never try and create transactional relationships. Everything that we do is to either satisfy a need people have they're hungry. They want to elevate the flavor profile of their food. They want to elevate, you know, the hot pocket that they're eating at home or even the nice high-end uh, plate of pasta. And they're scrolling on social media. You know, they don't want to see, get 20% off your next bottle in the captions. It's a lot of relatable, just friend-to-friend communication, visually satisfying, stimulating things that you want to send to your friends. Hey, check this out. This is cool. So I think like trying to live within all of those guidelines is something that we've been very consistent with. Yeah. So what channels are you betting on right now? I mean, I think I saw Nick that you said, Nick G, that you said like TikTok is where it's at. You're betting big on that right now. Is that one platform that you're still really bullish on? And what other ones are like that? We bet big on everything. And once something starts to work, we double down on it. If it doesn't work, we'll kind of pull off of it. We saw a lot of very early success with Instagram and Facebook. Instagram has kind of been like the home base where Truff lives. Um, It gives people a really good idea quickly what the brand's about. Facebook is a channel that we've gone very deep with as well. We've built a closed private Facebook group called Truff VIPs. That's basically just a group of amazing people that all like truff, like that's one thing they all have in common. People are sharing recipes with each other. They're building new friendships. And it's a really cool area where I think we see a lot of great engagement that's very authentic and organic. TikTok, you know, the wild, wild west, uh, the new app that kind of came out of nowhere and anybody can go viral on TikTok. We tested the, the platform very early. We also got the handle sauce on TikTok, which is pretty cool. Um, So we have it on TikTok and Instagram. And it's a channel that requires a little bit different of a content strategy than Instagram. Um, There's a different user base. The algorithm works a little bit differently. And we've seen a lot of success developing relationships with up and coming amateur chefs that are just either new to cooking or it's a passion that they have on the side. So I would say like Instagram and TikTok are two that we're continuing to bet big on. Snap as well, right, Nick? I mean, we do a lot on Snapchat. Yeah, on the paid the paid media side, uh, Snapchat, we do well on. One of the things we did good with on TikTok was actually getting on TikTok early. I think we've been on for probably two years now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of people were on TikTok before the last year, but it felt like it really hit its mainstream stride like a year ago. So we kind of had that year of learnings and and being able to kind of build up our account and try different things and you know, I don't want to say we were a year ahead, but we definitely got on there before I'd say the masses did. Yeah. What does your posting frequency and content strategy look like on there to be able to, you know, 
stay relevant? On TikTok, it's a little less, I would say, organized as Instagram. Um, we test things on TikTok, like just raw UGC at home amateur chef videos. We test visually stimulating loops. We test our own produced in-house iPhone content. We test high-end content. I think most recently, the stuff that's been working the best is content that's created natively on the app or content that has been edited natively on the app. So for example, you know, I'll take my iPhone, I'll shoot a video of a big pretzel being dumped in a bucket of hot sauce and then I'll edit it on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that will go viral a lot easier than just a nice food porn video that we made and then uploaded. Do you think there's still an opportunity on that platform right now for people who maybe haven't joined it yet? Because I always look around and, you know, when new brands are popping up, it's like, oh, is it too late for them to start a company account on TikTok or Instagram? Is it too saturated now? Is there something new that they should be focusing on? No, TikTok rewards the content, not necessarily how big the following is. So you could mm-hmm. go on, you know, TikTok, you could have a brand called Stephanie's Cookies and it has zero followers. And you create a couple of videos, one of them just happens to hit, that could sell out all of your inventory overnight. And like, even if you didn't even have an Instagram or anything. So there's always an opportunity, I would say, and I highly encourage any brand to be on TikTok. So how do you all handle that? Have you had, you know, times when all your inventory is sold out from videos? And like, if so, how do you handle spikes like that? We're at a point now where we've scaled to a size where like we could, we could handle any volume, but before mm-hmm. we saw that happen on Instagram where like early on, Nick and I are in the garage packing orders and our phones start blowing up. So-and-so posted, so-and-so posted. And, you know, we have our last 10 bottles before our next run. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. there's a thousand orders that come in and we're sitting around laughing at each other. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that's that awesome. Were you getting like the dings on your phone when these orders were coming in? You're like, well, it's all over now. Yeah. We don't have them. Back in the day, we turned that feature off because it's yeah. not good for your mental health once those dings stop happening. Unhealthy. But yeah, yeah, back in the day, it was it was fun here in the little cha-ching. That's cool. So now what are you guys betting big on? I mean, I love the idea that you're willing to try anything, especially on TikTok. What are some new tests that you're doing that you're like not really sure if they're going to work out? I think from a, a testing perspective, we're moving into an age where content is starting to drive everything. There are less ways to kind of hack around. You know, there's a lot of like early hacks, especially on on Facebook and Instagram um, that really don't exist now. And Mm -hmm. along with this new iOS update, it's making it a lot harder for advertisers to attribute, you know, where to, to put the majority of their resource into. So I think for us, it's continuing to develop relationships with people that love the brand, develop relationships with people who haven't heard of Truff yet and put out content that is very value-driven, very creative, things that they wouldn't necessarily think a truffle condiments business was putting out. Um, Like some Mm -hmm. of the new content that I'm not sure if you've seen, but it's like some CGI stuff and visual effects stuff, always trying to be on the cutting edge, as Nick mentioned, of CPG and food. So who even thought of this? I'm like, I'm going to take this hot sauce and the truffle oil and I'm going to turn into a person who's going to like have a full on fight with each other. Like, 
who thought of this concept and how do you keep thinking of ideas like this that are a little out there, but I'm here for it. Like, I love it. We just have a very creative team, people Mm -hmm. that really like to think outside of the box and aren't scared to try new things. Hey there, are you enjoying the show so far? Well, imagine your company's advertising placed right in this very spot during a future interview with another elite e-commerce mind. Imagine your messaging and logo directly connected to the industry's most prominent innovators and thought leaders, distributed across every major podcast platform and social network. Yeah, well, it's time to stop imagining. Learn how you can partner with Upnext in Commerce and sponsor this very show. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org and let's have a conversation. So what's next on for those kind of productions and what kind of response are you seeing from your community? So uh, that series, for example, that's called our Food Fight series. And without you know giving too much away, the idea is we're going to be creating battles within our own SKUs. So that first episode mm-hmm. was our OG hot sauce that was being approached by the new category, the truffle oil that we just launched. And then as the series yeah. progresses, um, you'll see each skew start to come into whoever's environment that they're in. So the next episode might be pasta versus hot sauce and then so on and so forth. That's awesome. So do you see, you know, your followers and new folks loving this kind of content? Because I'm thinking like, you know, you hear from everyone of like UGC is where it's at, no production now, people just want raw, authentic content. And then when I look at that, I'm like, that's awesome. Also, because I've never seen that being done before, but like, what's the response look like for content like that? Yeah, that, that piece went crazy. We also have other pieces that completely flop. So I think it's just trying to understand what people like, double down, you know, doubling down on what that actually is, and then mm-hmm. trying new things along the way. Like, for example, we're still doing a ton of UGC. We're doing a ton of reels and we'll test new things like, you know, these VFX pieces. Mm-hmm. How do you think about the CTA at the end of stuff like that? Like, are you driving people to buy the new product or is it purely like, this is just for fun. Go check out our brand. It's a brand play. Yeah. There's no CTA. The CTA is, here's yeah. a dope piece of content. Okay. And there's never been a CTA at Trev. Mm-hmm. There is no CTA. The CTA is that there's no CTA. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy our product. We're not here to sell you our product. We're here to make great products and present them in cool ways. And if you want to try them and buy them, you know, that's a cherry on top. I love that. I mean, then how do you think about for like tracking purposes? I kind of think that way of thinking will make just more people buy, like don't buy our product. Like just watch our fun stuff. I mean, we're not like saying don't buy our product, <laughs> but yeah, it's more so like for us, the worst way to try to, to sell product is to sell product. Mm-hmm. We want to make the amazing product, present it in the amazing way. If it's not good, people won't buy it. And kind of let the authenticity just speak for itself. And like, kind of like Nick said earlier, when we, we would look at all these brands in early social media days, and it was all about making a buck, making a buck, you mm-hmm. know, like sales machines, just selling whatever they could to make a buck. And it's like, we never wanted to be that. We'll never be that. We want to build a true here to stay, you know, generational brand that, that our grandkids can purchase and, and support. And the way to do that, we don't think is to like try and get people to buy it from content or mm-hmm. anything like that. And great. don't get it twisted. We have a best practice media buying plan behind the scenes, but everything on the front mm-hmm. end is just cool and authentic. Yep. Yep. I got that. The other thing that I thought was interesting is like how many places you guys can 
be bought at? I mean, I was, of course, Amazon, I think you're like number one in the hot sauce category, but then you're also at places I think like Whole Foods and then Neiman Marcus, which is very interesting. But I'm like, that's like a perfect fit for that kind of audience. How did you get in all these places, especially retail? I mean, Amazon to me, it's a no brainer. You guys are great. Of course, you're number one, but like, how did you get into these retail locations and how did you think about even approaching that? So Neiman, for example, that was one of our earlier accounts. You know, one of our partners is in the luxury fashion world. And I think they, his name is John Boucher. I mean, I think they must have seen us through his, through his social or something, but we reached to kind of a point where they wanted to bring us on and it went great and their customers absolutely loved it. And that was kind of our, there's a couple other luxury boutiques. There's a store called Smets in Luxembourg, which is like iconic and a few other like lifestyle clothing boutique stores around LA and New York and whatnot that we've been stocked in since early days. And that's kind of where, when we launched, that's kind of where we sat. We were kind of, you know, we weren't a grocery product by any means mm-hmm. and we were there and we were in like gourmet. So kind of mom and pa boutiques that would sell things like olive oil and, and wine and cheese and unique products like the gourmet world. And that commanded a higher, like they could afford the, the cost of truck in, in those environments. And from there, as we scaled, we were able to bring our costs down a little bit and get a little bit wider with stores like Whole Foods and Wegmans and Central Market and places like that. And then since then, you know, it started here and then it just slowly has gotten wider as we've grown as a brand. So what kind of lessons did you learn then when like you're getting into these retailers? I mean, I can imagine being like, oh, not going to do it that way again. Or, oh, now we know how to approach Whole Foods or go to Central Market and kind of ask for these terms or something like, how would you advise someone now if they're just thinking about getting into retailers? So we never wanted to start in retail. Kind of how Nick mentioned, our our goal is always to be, build a digital brand, have, have our customers direct, own those relationships build true authentic connections, treat them great, offer them great products. And then like, for example, when we first rolled out one of our major grocery retailers, we, our initial response was, hey, we don't work with grocery stores in general. Mm-hmm. And I think we understand kind of the requirements of retail and it's capital intensive and there's like slotting fees. And if you don't do well, you're gone and you probably won't get a second chance. And so I think people kind of, they jump to get on shelves early thinking like, oh, we want to be on all these shelves. but I think it makes a lot more sense to build your brand off shelf, start small, take on retailers as it makes sense. Start small in those retailers. Whole Foods, we didn't start with all their stores. We started with like 10 in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Target, we're in like a couple hundred doors right now. And we're starting small and making sure we're doing things right, understanding their audience, understanding how to present ourselves there, making sure the pricing is right and all those types of things. And so when people are impatient and they go really, really fast and they just want big growth overnight. I think that's when you usually run into issues or make major mistakes. Mm-hmm. We've definitely made mistakes, but we've tried to avoid having them be major ones. And anytime something comes up that could be a make or break situation, we always try and consult with people that have done it or would know how to do things. I mean, setting up your pricing, now you're bringing in distributors, which gets a little bit more complicated. So it's kind of like relying on experts in a lot of ways and also just using common sense. But making sure the mistakes you make are like as minimal as possible. Mm-hmm. Are there any mistakes that you made in the early days around that, that could have been big, but because you were kind of like doing this slower strategy and seeing what worked that you were like, whoo, avoided a really big blow up down the road because we kind of caught this early on or anything around that. I think uh, one of the big ones was 
not rushing into retail in the first place. Mm-hmm. With that said, I think something we did really good was, you know, figure out how to have like this omni-channel business where we sold online and sold in stores at price points that were fair enough on both channels. And then obviously there's different levels of retail. So, you know, a Neiman Marcus and the Whole Foods or whatnot are going to have different customers and different margin requirements and things like that internally. So I think where we're putting a lot of emphasis and like, for example, our white truffle skew, which is a lot more expensive than our black, I can't sit everywhere. So we don't try and sit here and just get it everywhere. You know, we, we put it where it works and don't force it where it doesn't work. And, you know, even things like adding our hotter skew to places that their black is working and just like making sure that we're giving all the skews the proper attention and, you know, pasta. What, what if we just made hot sauce content and no pasta content, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very interesting. Kind of like crafting the products that go into certain places, depending on price points and all that. So, I mean, how do you think about Amazon then? Because you guys are so high end, I, I view Amazon a lot of times like that's for, you know, you just got to get on there, get what you need, not really think too much on it. But then you became number one in hot sauce, which to me, I would think of like the lower brands being number one on there, just like go on there and get, you know, the typical stuff that just sits in your fridge that you don't even think about. So how did you optimize to hit that number one spot and stay there? So back in 2018, which was our first full year of business, we were approached by the Oprah team and we ended up no being deal. on Oprah's favorite things. That was launched on Amazon. So for a while, we were thinking, hey, let's not even put Truff on Amazon. Let's just keep it directly through Truff.com. So from very, very early on, we had the flywheel of, of Amazon spinning um, very quickly. And along the way, we've just continued to optimize that channel. It's a behemoth. You know, we, we look at it as a, a retailer. It is technically e-com, but there might be customers that purchase from us on .com and then each additional purchase may be on Amazon. There's some people that only shop on Amazon. Like Nick A might tell you he only purchases things on Amazon. If it's on Amazon, it doesn't get bought. And, you know, like Nick mentioned, we, we bring on people that know a lot more than us in certain areas. So from early on, we, you know, brought on a person that is just an Amazon expert and he's Mm -hmm. taught us the best practices and uh, the best ways of navigating that monster. That's yeah, that's great. And you don't feel like it's competing with your other channels or that it's like, is there any point when you're like, I really wish people would go to strictly to our website or to be able to see our content and so everyone just keeps going to Amazon. They're missing all our good stuff that we have everywhere else. I think if they're on Amazon looking for Truff, it's because they saw it somewhere else. They saw it on social. Mm-hmm. They might've been served an ad on Facebook, went to our website, checked Amazon to see if Amazon has it. They can get it in a day. So I think if people are on Amazon looking for Truff, they've already seen it somewhere. But we also have, you know, strategies that acquire the new customer. We are running the same really cool content on Amazon. I think we were one of the very first brands that were doing video ads on Amazon. So trying to remain on the cutting edge, like we'd mentioned across the board. That's great. So also, I mean, earlier you mentioned you were on like Oprah's favorite thing list, I think for like two years in a row. You've also been on like the Today Show and Good Morning America. How many of these and a bunch of others that I didn't name, but like how many of these places that you're showing up are because 
your team is actually going out there and hustling to get, you know, featured on these places versus them finding you on their own and just being like, come on the show, come on Food Network or the Rachel Ray show. How much are you all doing to do that, to get that? The things that like kind of the TV things are often inbound. So I think the Oprah list brought a ton of demand. And, you know, when you get on the Oprah list, they do all these kind of cool press things around that Q4 moment and cool products from the Oprah list, whatnot. You know, a lot of things you see with Truff are organic mm-hmm. and through our, our relationships, our networks, the hype, the quality of the product. And then other things are things that we've gone out and got, but that in our earliest days, we we did not have that capability. It was just all organic up until probably like a year and a half of our existence was just kind of organic. That's amazing. So where do you all want to be in like three years or three to five years? What's your vision for where the company's headed? I mean, you already have like a ton of awesome products, very diverse. I mean, it seems like you've launched a lot since you've started. Where do you want to be over the next couple of years? I think we just, there's a lot, you know, as, as far as we've gotten, there's, there's always, there's always more to do. There's a lot of stores we're not in. There's a lot of people who haven't tried Truff and we, we never wanted to make tens of products. That's not us necessarily, but more so make a few and make them incredibly well and have a lot of people love them. Mm-hmm. And so you know, just continuing to get truff into people's mouths and, and part of the, the staple of people's kind of culinary experiences is, is pretty high on our list. That's great. All right. Well, let's move over to the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer and I'll try and direct it to each of you. Are you ready, Nick Squared? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. First up, What's your favorite truff product? Nick G, you first. I would say the white truffle hot sauce. Okay, okay. White truff backslash truffle oil. Nick A, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? Maybe Nick G calling me and say, hey, I got at sauce. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, Nick G, you're up then. What's the nicest thing anyone's done for you? Supported our brand. Yeah, I like it. All right, what's one thing that you're secretly curious about? Nick G. Aliens. I just watched a documentary on Netflix. Um, what was it? The Phenomenon. That, I did start checking that one out on something of the seventh or fifth encounter, something like that. They have had well, like the third encounter, that. fourth encounter, fifth encounter. Oh, this is like I've you're, seen that. You're really on like alien level with him when you're at the fifth one. <laughs> I was going to say UFOs also. Oh, wow. We talk a lot in secret okay. about We've been getting into it. Nick and I have been getting into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that should be your next piece of content then. Honestly, Aliens that's not a bad everything. idea. An alien coming yeah, down and everyone's... Like putting its light down, taking a bottle of truff and leaving. What's up next on your reading list or podcast list? Nick A, you're up. I have a whole, I have a stack of books over there. There's one that says To Sell as Human by Daniel Pink, which looks good. Mm-hmm. There's also one Why We Sleep. I like that. All right, Nick G. I just finished Living with a Seal by Jesse Eitzler, I think is how you pronounce his last name. That was a good one. It's there, yeah. What, what's that about? Because I'm like, I have not actually heard that. Usually it's like common books I hear. I'm like, yep, yep. I've not heard of Living with a Seal. So he met um, this Navy SEAL by the name of David Goggins, who I'm a big follower of. I, I love the content he puts mm-hmm. out. It's, it's very extreme, but there's a lot of good that can be pulled from it. He basically hired this Navy SEAL to live with him for 30 days. And he basically just said, I'm yours for 30 days, kick my shit in anytime during the day. 
we could get up and just get after it. And I just want you to like put me through it. So it's the Navy SEAL living with this high functioning CEO that's trying to run his business and his family. And it's just a really, really cool book. And then Contagious, which is one that Mm -hmm. I'm 90% done with, but it's basically talks about why things catch on, like why things cross the chasm, how to build virality early on um, and create products and brands and messages that are really sticky. So that's a good one. Awesome. I will have to check out those or living with the seal. I know the other one. All right. Last one. And you guys have to collaborate on this one. If you were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And what kind of content would you have on it? So I had a podcast. Oh, what was it about? In, the, in my pat, It was called the Nick's Fix Podcast. I was about to say, was it the Nick A show? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was the Nick's Fix Podcast, which was like a powdered beverage. I had this powdered beverage brand in college. Nick, Nick and I both had college things and mine was called Nick's Fix. And after I did like, I made a podcast, but had nothing to do with the brand. Okay. I only did three or four episodes. And this is when we were starting Trap. So after a while, I was like, okay, I don't have time for this. But I think the, the first one was about nutrition. The second was about fear and anxiety. I think the first one was actually like this nonprofit near me who like helped kids through skateboarding. Awesome. Well, Nick, Nick, thank you guys for joining the show today. It was awesome having you on. Where can people find out more about you all and Truff? IG, Nictor G, N-I-C-T-O-R-G is my handle. And then at Sauce on, on Instagram. Cool. Nick, do you have an Insta handle? My handle is just my last name, A-J-L-U-N-I. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining. It was a blast. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, guys. everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnextincommerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.